From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Cricket World Cup time, and I love getting this guy on because we can talk cricket, but we can also talk about his podcast as well, which I've been a long-time subscriber to. So before we talk cricket, Howie, from the Howie Games, Mark Howard, welcome in. Um, how do you keep lining up these rock stars? I can see the two that I've down, the most recent downloaded, Michael Klim and Dick Johnson. Haven't listened to them yet. They're my this week's listening. I can only imagine Michael Klim's story must be amazing. Yeah, it is, Daffy. Nice to speak to you from Mumbai, actually. It's, uh, in the morning here in Mumbai, um, over here for the cricket. But no, just plugging away. He just uh, put out a lot of requests. But Klimi, yeah, he's got an amazing story. Obviously, one of Australia's greatest ever swimmers. And he's he's battling various health issues at the moment, um, which he talked about openly. Um, he's trying to raise a bit of awareness in that type of situation. Dick Don- Johnson, he's just a legend of Australian motorsport. Um, I know a lot of Kiwis and follow him. Very dry character yeah. um, and made me laugh a lot. So, uh, yeah, no, he's a good man. We've got Frankie Dettori coming up next, the, the jockey who was meant to be riding in the Melbourne Cup. We are all lined up for him to ride. And then um, he got suspended in his last race in England, but uh, a, an entertaining customer as well, Frankie Dettori. Yeah, the cool thing about your podcast, Howie, and that's why I love podcasts, is like Dick Johnson, case in point, um, I've watched Bath- every Bathurst for probably 30 years, and Dick's been just such a massive part as the, the battles he had with Peter Brock, and he's now a, an owner. He looks like a really competitive man, but I can't wait to peel back the layers and see what Dick Johnson, the man, is like. Well, he's... <laughs> His first race car was a reused taxi that he bought and built in his own garage. But for, for your listeners, for your listeners, the thing that struck me, near the end of the podcast, I said, righto, best you've seen, best you've been involved with, best you've worked with as far as motorsport goes. Um, and he said, without a doubt, Scott McLaughlin. So that's massive wraps on um, on the on the Kiwi man who, who's also been on the show. But keep an eye out, mate. We're doing a sort of an audio World Cup diary, so a bit of a travel tour around India, meeting lots of people and speaking lots of cricketers. Your man, Ian Smith, will pop up on it as well. So, um, yeah, that, that's been something that's been keeping me entertained over here, so that'll drop soon as well. Just brilliant. So do, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you should be listening to podcasts, it's, it's the future, but it's very much the current. Just uh, search for How We Game, subscribe, and... Um, yeah, it'll automatically download. Can't wait to listen to those. But we're Cricket World Cupping. You're in uh, the beautiful country of India. It is the uh, the heartland of cricket. And boy, are the Indian fans taking to their national team. Yeah, I uh, I was watching last night uh, while I was having my naan bread and peanut butter here in a hotel two <laughs> nights ago in Mumbai. I was watching I was watching India and South Africa. You know, it was billed as the top of the table clash. They are unbelievable, India. Like, Kohli gets the headlines and, you know, he made a 100 to, to come alongside Sachin Tendulkar on his birthday. Like, he writes his own scripts. But I was at, uh, I was in Mumbai, I don't know, a few days ago now here at the Wankhede Stadium, first time I'd been there, and I saw India take on Sri Lanka. And it's all about the Indian batsmen. But I was lucky enough to be in the box for the first four O's of Indian bowling, and they had Sri Lanka four for seven 
and the bowling of Siraj and Bumrah and then Mohammed Shami is quite extraordinary. You know, they're moving the ball, they're bowling at pace. So, you know, in the olden days, we used to think, oh, the Indians dominate with the spinners. And admittedly, Jadeja did the other night against South Africa, but they're quick bowlers. They're the best in the comp. So they look unbeatable. And the only thing about looking unbeatable is you come up in a semi-final and you can get rolled and the whole world caves in. So there's, there's scenarios which I'm sure you want to talk about as to where that semi-final could be. But there's, there's a couple that would be a real interest depending on the next uh, weeks or so results. Yeah, it really is. And the scary thing, what India did to South Africa, South Africa did to us. And if yeah. things align and we can get past Sri Lanka, we'll probably get India in the semi-final. And on the law of averages, they'll score for 500 and get us all out for 45. But that, <laughs> that won't happen. We got them in the last World Cup. But what are the machinations yeah. for you for the semis, Howie? Well, yeah, so as you say, that New Zealand versus Sri Lanka, um, I can't remember where. I think Bangalore, actually, because I'm going to that one. I've never been to Bangalore. So I think that one's in Bangalore. So New Zealand win that they're pretty much through unless Pakistan beat England by a, a, an enormous amount of runs, which it could be possible. <laughs> could be possible <laughs> the way England are going. But uh, if Sri Lanka, who have lost their last two, if they were to beat New Zealand, which would be a big upset, and then Pakistan beat England, then somehow after starting so well, um, that would mean uh, New Zealand had lost the last five and they would drop out. But if that was to happen, which obviously your audience doesn't want to happen, if that was to happen, the first semi-final would be Pakistan versus India. And oh. that was originally scheduled to be here in Mumbai. But the way it's been explained to me, due to um, the incident in the past with terrorism in Mumbai and the cricket, that game actually needs to be moved to Eden Gardens in Kolkata. So that, that's, that's that there's a lot of complexity here in India in all sorts of areas of life, and that is just one. So... You would imagine. You would imagine New Zealand will play India in a semi and Australia will play South Africa. But if New Zealand were to slip up against Sri Lanka, then it would be Pakistan, India in the semi, um, which would be an enormous game of cricket for so many reasons. What's your take on how our black caps are going? I mean, they've lost the last four, even though the last game scoring 400 wasn't a losing performance to me. Um, it was just incredible. And then Duckworth Lewis came in. But... If New Zealand were to get through to the semis and take on India, um, have they got got it in them? Yeah, of course they do. It's it's a reset. You know what I mean? Like you know, the the pressure on India in their home country. If they go in winning every single game, if they win nine straight and then go in to play New Zealand in a semi final, you lose a couple of wickets in the power play and anything can happen. Um, so of course New Zealand can beat them. It's interesting at this stage of the tournament, injuries have started to take play. And I know your bowling attacks had a few injuries. Um, we saw the South African Gidi a couple of nights ago grab his hamstring. You know, Australia does their own type of injuries when Glenn Maxwell falls off golf buggies, as only Glenn could. So like, it, it's a long haul over here. There's, there's a lot of travel. It's, it's so hot. It's so hot. Doing the game um, a few nights ago, the Australia Pakistan, uh, the Australia England game. You're out in the middle beforehand, and I was speaking to David Warner in Ahmedabad. It's a 130,000 seat stadium, so it is. It, you see it on the telly. Like I grew up watching Dean Jones and those heroic innings in India, and, and you see the players sweating and talking about how hot it is. But till you get here, talking to David, I was like, "How many overs into a 50 over game here when you're batting till you're cooked?" He's like, "I oh, mate, you're cooked after 10 overs." 
Mm. It is that hot and there's that much stress on the body and that many flights that injuries come in to play a big part of it. So, um, you know, that's hurting all teams at the moment. But to answer your question, of course New Zealand can win, but it, let's be honest, it would be an upset because the, the top six of India are outstanding and then the, the four balls are magnificent as well. So it would be an upset if anyone beats India in this World Cup, but how many times have you seen it that a team in any sport just rolls through and it gets to the business end and they haven't been put in a tough position, all of a sudden they are and, and things can go a little bit awry. Yep, the lady that makes my coffee every morning... Uh... Indian mm. lady, she said, no one beats India when the World Cup's in India, mark my words, <laughs> which is well, interesting. She, 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 she might be right. i tell you what they have jumped on is your boy Rachin, who's been mm. incredible. Um, mm. I love that he's a combination of Sachin and, and Raul. Every time he goes out to bat, you, you just have to watch this man bat. Now, now, how you can make 400 and lose a game of cricket is hard to fathom. And you, you were stiff by the rain, but, but on the other side of the equation... Um, Zaman was incredible, the innings he played. But to hear Indian crowds cheering Ratchin's name is is something extraordinary. And, and I love that they yeah, were saying, you know, he's, he's Indian, he should be playing here. And I love that he came out in the press conference and said, no, no, let's, let's just get this straight. I am a New Zealander. I love this country. I'm all about playing for New Zealand. So I like that. But he's alongside Quinton de Kock being the star of the tournament with the bat in many ways. Yeah, South Africa I wanted to touch on um, because two and three on the table at the moment, <clears throat> South Africa, Australia, who are probably poised to play each other in the other semi-final. South, mm. Af- South Africa could make a really good crack at this, but Australia can too. It's 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 mouth-watering, Howie. Yeah, it is. And I've been blessed to be working with all sorts of fantastic commentators over here. And you, you walk into the commentary box and, you know, there's Ravi Shashu and Ricky Ponting and Michael Atherton. And, you know, it, like, it blows your mind who you get to sit next to. But there's a couple of South Africans here. And they, and I think their entire country, are like, oh, no, oh, no, once we get to a semi final, we're a completely different team, especially if they're chasing. So there's that concern with the South Africans as well. There's, it, it, there's no doubt Australia, South Africa, Australia win the toss. Um, because South Africa have been so good batting first, but they've looked a bit shaky batting second. That's where they got rolled by the Dutch and nearly got rolled by Pakistan, that you'd think Australia would bat first. I still don't think Australia's firing on all cylinders, but mm. they're starting to look better and better. Adam Zamp has been outstanding. You know, the last game, they were able to beat England without Mitch Marsh and Glenn Maxwell, who you would imagine will be appearing against Afghanistan today. Um, if Marsh is back and ready to go after his situation, they believe Maxwell will play. So, yeah, it's another great game. Quinton de Kock obviously holds a massive key there. He's been so good at the top of the order. Um, he's coming out to Australia to play in the big bash as well. So there'll be plenty of interest in him. That's that's a tough one. I can't pick that one. I'm going India in one semi. Um, and South Africa are probably... You know, the odds will be in their favour, but you wouldn't be surprised to see Australia beat them. The interesting thing, Howie, um, last week after the Rugby World Cup final, I got on a South African uh, sports producer, journalist who covers all sport in South Africa. And interestingly, he said to me, before the World Cup started, if, you've asked, if you asked the people in the street, would you rather the Springboks went back-to-back at the Rugby World Cup mm. or would you rather the Proteas won the Cricket World Cup? He said the majority would go Cricket World Cup, which staggered me. Yeah, that surprises me as well. Um, well, they could do both at the moment. Um, <laughs> I think the majority of Aussies would prefer the cricket team to to, to get the job done on, on that point. Although um, our, our Wallabies are struggling at the moment, aren't they? We're looking for a coach. Is there any good coaches over there in New Zealand? We've got, got heaps. We've got heaps. Yeah, we've got plenty. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I'd love to tell you, though, what I'd love to tell you, 
Um, I talked about a, a World Cup diary. To, to travel around India and see the passion for cricket. Uh, I caught up with Mitch Stark in the, um, just outside the hotel here a couple of days ago and went and had a coffee. And we were, we were walking along through the back streets in Mumbai, two-minute walk, and there was a game of cricket on the street. And they saw Starkey and people just came from ab- – I'm talking <laughs> within the space of 30 seconds, there was 100 people – and everyone wants a photo with him. One bloke was yelling out, you are in my fantasy cricket team. So he, he's on the on the point system. Um, the, the love for cricket, there's, there's a place here in, um, in in Mumbai called the Maidan, which is a big sort of green area. And I went there last night um, when I arrived here and there had to be 60 games of cricket on. So it, imagine four ovals in one, but you've got, um, you've just got games crunching into other games so a bloke skies at the square leg it crosses three pitches and a bloke catches him at point in a completely different game and everyone seems to know what's going on like the love for the cricket and the privilege to travel around this country and see it has blown my mind if you know you hear about the love of cricket in India but till you see it you can't explain it I was with Ricky Ponting in the airport the other day he must have taken a hundred selfies between checking in and getting to the where you get on the plane. And one chap came back for a second selfie and Rick said, no, I've got a selfie with you three minutes ago. I said, yes, but this phone has more pixels, so the picture will be clearer. So that's, <laughs> that's that, like, it's, it is, it's wonderful to see and it's a massive privilege to be here. Are you seeing, uh, talking to Mark Howard, uh, commentating over at the World Cup and host of the Howie Games podcast, get it? Are you seeing international fans? Like, I know there's, we see pockets of New Zealand fans at a few stadiums. Um, are, are other teams gathering their supporters from offshore? Yeah, there is. I think early on in the tournament, staff, it was a problem because basically what happened, there was a long delay in announcing the fixture. Now, normally these things come out a year in advance. The tour groups can book them, etc. but there was a lot of, to be played politically when and where India were going to play Pakistan. So that, that didn't come till you know, six weeks prior to the tournament. So as a result, the, the schedule wasn't set in. So it was a little bit more difficult for travelling fans. But I think there's a lot more now coming here. Um, uh, there was a lot of there's a lot of English fans. The English fans tour really well. I felt for them the other night in Ahmedabad because it was, as I said, it was baking hot and they'd come straight out of winter. And I thought some of them were going to expire just on the way into the ground. It was that hot. So yeah, in the hotels, um, there, there are a lot of fans. Uh, I think a lot of people come for a cultural experience. I was chatting to a young Aussie guy and he was trying to get to every Australian game and his whole aim was to get from game to game and not spend more than $10 doing it, which sounds ridiculous, but you know, it's such a cheap country to travel around in, in that sense. So there's lots of fans here. It's not the easiest place to get around, but um, and it's hard to figure out how or where to get tickets, but the ground's... You know, it was 60,000 the other night to England versus Australia, and a lot of those were Indian fans. So, you know, I think there has been a lot of fans here, um, and they get the full experience. It's not just a cricket experience, it's a life experience. And just to wrap up, Howie, I'm going to go all the way back to the very start. You said you were sitting there having your naan with peanut butter mm. on. You, would, you wouldn't do yeah. that in an Indian restaurant in India, would you? That's just tucked away by yourself? Yeah, no, that's my dessert. That's my dessert. <laughs> I, I had room service last night, and there's a, a mate gave me a big jar of peanut butter before I came away. But don't get me wrong, the, the food, the cuisine, there's a lot of. When I go home from India, I came to the IPL, and people are like, oh, you know, what's the food like? And do you get sick? And what are the airports like? <laughs> Let me tell you, any of your listeners, I came to the IPL for three weeks. I've been here for two weeks. I've never 
I, the whole time I've been here, touch wood, I haven't been cook at all. The food is extraordinary. During the IPL, I had 16 flights in 18 days. My only delay, my only delay was coming in and out of Australia on Qantas. There was no delays in India. And I met a chap at the airport the other day and he missed his flight. I said, well, what happened? He said the flight left 15 minutes early. So <laughs> it, it is, it, it's not India that you thought it was from the 1980s. This is a massive growing country that runs a lot of things in a really slick operation. So it's an easy place to get around with airports and the hotels are extraordinary. The food's magnificent. So if you've ever thought about coming here, mate, and you've got those preconceived ideas, that's India from 1980, not India from 2023. Beautiful. How we always enjoy talking to you, mate. Enjoy the rest of the World Cup and see if you can just secretly cheer the Kiwis uh, into the semis and then to beat the Indians. I won't tell anyone you're cheering for them. All right, I'll do my best. I'll be with Ian Smith seeing them play Sri Lanka, and he's my favourite commentator on the planet. So I can't wait to see the great man, and hopefully the Kiwis can get home. Brilliant. How are we there? I tell you what, we're going to do. We're going to take race two at Flemington because Mark has backed Mr. Maestro paying five fifty. I've taken a multi bet with Seabuck to run in the top three. I might have a little win as well. It's paying six and twos, um, so a multi bet there with Seabuck to run in the top three. Ken has got pounding. It's a shortener. People must have known it was at five. It's now four eighty. Ken. Uh, maybe people heard you've backed it and they're following you in. So Seabark for me, who's just dropped to 5.50. Let's take the race. It's race two from Flemington. Ready to go. The all clear given and they're racing. Aurora Symphony from barrier number two away okay. Pounding, holding its place on the inside. Riverina Cyclone, Sabark push up with Mr Maestro. Sabark is going to try and clear them, clear them here out wide and does so. So it's Sabark from Mr Maestro, Riverina Cyclone and Pounding. Then Lord Vladivostok, a couple of lengths away for God to you and then came Aurora Symphony and warning at the back of the field. So with 1,300 to go, Sabark has cleared out and led by four lengths. Second in the race at this point is Mr Maestro and they're a length pounding two and a half Riverina Cyclone. Then came Lord Vladivostok as they really string out here. Three lengths away Aurora Symphony and then came Forgot You and at the tail of the field is warning. So it's Sabark who's really lit up here for Bo Mertens as they reach the 1,000 marker and led by eight lengths. Second is Mr. Maestro, third is pounding, two and a half Riverina Cyclone and Lord Vladivostok. A gap then Aurora's Symphony as they reach the 800 marker, or at least the leader does. And then came Forgot You and then came Warning last of all. So it's a bar coming up towards the corner at the 700 metres, still led by a good margin here, seven or eight lengths to in second Mr. Maestro pounding. Then came Lord Vladivostok about to be asked the serious question from Riverina Cyclone trying to get off the fence. Well back Forgot You and then came warning under pressure at the 400 metres at Sabak in front by five lengths but starting to get weary from pounding Lord Vladivostok is all over the place he has forgot you down the middle running on at the 200 metres Sabak is stopping at the clock tower paddling and forgot you moves up and claims it forgot you got Sabak pounding and late warning with 100 metres to go it's forgot you clear warning is flashing home forgot you needs the line but wins forgot you three quarters of a length warning Take that, top three, take that. Jeez, it was out by about 10 lengths for a while and just got the stitch towards the end, but first leg of the multi is in. Sabak, top three. Thank you very hard. We'll take a break. We'll come back very, very shortly. Give us a call. 0800 150 811. The sweepstake is on.